So Judges 4, beginning at verse 12. This is God's holy and infallible word. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots and all the men with him from Herosheth Hagoim to the Kishon River. And then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Hagoim. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. And then chapter 5 uh, 19, 20, and 21. Again, all of five is a poem giving uh, a divine, a different, a bigger perspective on all the events of chapter four. These verses are especially on that battle I just read. Kings came, they fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tanik by the waters of Megiddo, but they carried off no silver, no plunder. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away, the age-old river, the river Kishon. March on, my soul, be strong. In our text, our focus is verse 20 of chapter 5. From the heavens, the stars fought from their courses. They fought against Sisera. And so, that text is a short but striking description of the battle. From the heavens, the stars fought against Sisera. So, this is a prophetic perspective on the battle after it's described straightforwardly in chapter 4. And we're being shown in this description of the battle that God has all of nature, the whole cosmos, at his disposal for the good of his people. And he brings that level of power into his service to save his people Israel. Sisera was confident of victory. And we read about the strength of iron, you remember, uh, back in chapter 1. And now Sisera had been terrorizing Israel's countryside for years with these 900 iron chariots. If you look a little bit earlier in the poem of chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, we read that it was so bad that people were abandoning the roads and village life ground to a standstill because no one wanted to run into this gang of bad guys and be Treated poorly. Barak had amassed an army of 10,000 men, but he didn't have a single chariot. His soldiers fighting with their bare hands, probably bare feet, maybe they'd have sandals on, they wouldn't stand a chance against all these chariots, plus however many foot soldiers the enemy had. Iron chariots, of course, were the ancient equivalent of tanks, right? Very strong, very fast, highly maneuverable. But 
5 verse 19 says, Sisera carried off no silver, no plunder. In other words, he lost the battle. Why is that? Well, it's because the stars of heaven fought against Sisera. The Lord himself stepped in from above and the enemy had no chance. What happened? Well, Barak and his army started at the top of Mount Tabor. Sisera was down on the plain below, we read, by the Kishon River. And as Barak and his men went down the mountain, we get the impression that the Lord God routed the enemy before Barak and his men even had to lift their sword. And he did that by sending the stars into battle, is how it's described. In other words, by summoning the forces of nature in a miraculous way. In order for the chariots uh, to have been able to ride there, the time of year would have for sure been summer. When the Kishon River was low and the plain was dry and hard, then the chariots could ride. But God sent clouds, storm, thunder, torrential rains, and the river overflowed. The plain became a mud pool. The chariots were useless. And so Sisera's men scampered off of the chariots in panic. Barak and his men chased them down to the last man. Some, it seems, got washed away by the overflowing river. And of course, we know this wasn't the first time the Lord did this sort of thing. And it wouldn't be the last, mobilizing, in other words, cosmic forces when his people were fighting for their lives. Joshua 10, 1 Samuel 7, 2 Samuel 22, which is the same as Psalm 18. Why did this happen? Why did God do it? Well, these were his people. This was the Old Testament church, uh, the people of God's own choosing, whom he loved dearly, despite all their mistakes and failures. And when uh, the enemy gives God's people trouble, God goes to work. And as we, we think about this, we need to remember, too, that this battle we're talking about, it's just one scene in a much longer epic that spans the whole history of mankind. Back in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Satan, God's ancient enemy, already had started his schemes. We learn in Genesis 3 that though the seed of the woman would ultimately gain the upper hand, the seed of the serpent would be constantly waging battle against it. The seed of the woman would ultimately be Christ in the fullness of time. The last book of the Bible describes a woman with a crown of 12 stars on her head, and she was pregnant and about to give birth to a boy. We read that a dragon appeared so that he might devour that child when he arrived. And so the dragon is another way the Bible pictures Satan. The woman is the church. In Old Testament times, the church 
was pregnant in the sense that out of her, the Christ child would come. Sisera and others were tools of Satan to destroy the church, to destroy the child before the child could be born. Because the devil knew that if Jesus came, that would be the beginning of the end for him. The promise in Genesis 3, and and he knew it, he knows God's word, was that the head of the serpent would be crushed by the seed of the woman. And we know that Jesus was God's means to save his people from their sin and how God was going to finish off the enemy once and for all. And Satan knew that full well. And so at a deeper level, the oppression by Sisera that we read of in this chapter what it was was that old snake from, the, from paradise trying to block the birth of our Savior. From a human perspective, this battle was hopeless for Barak, and the church would have been wiped out until the Lord rescued them by sending the stars into the battle. And so we as God's people, we should never lose courage We should never lose heart, uh, no matter how weak and small we might feel we are in comparison to the enemy. When God says in Romans 8, he works out all things for the good of those who love him, you know what? God means all things. In the battle for God's name, for his enterprise, for his kingdom, The whole universe is on our side. What an encouragement to us as God's people today. That means we can always be of good courage, my friends. It's amazing and wonderful that God did this, but really, God's people should have been ashamed that God had to go through such lengths to save them. When we read the full story, we see that Barak showed some faith, but really not a whole lot. He seems to have been very frightened going into battle. And it turns out that when Barak called all of God's people, all of Israel, to battle, many did not respond. And we see that from the divine perspective on the battle in chapter 5, in verses 15 and following especially. The Reubenites... Uh, the people from the tribe of, of Rumen, they apparently met together. They had some meetings. They talked about joining the battle, but ultimately took no action. And they stayed with their flocks and herds. Gad, which is referred to as Gilead in verse 17, another tribe stayed in their land on the opposite side of the Jordan River, thinking, surely this enemy isn't going to reach us way over here. And and so, because of that, they didn't come to help their brothers and sisters, but they kept themselves safe at home. Dan and Asher, likewise, did not join the battle. And so, laziness, sloth, passivity pervaded the members of the church back then. Only a few tribes came through. The rest turned their back. And when God saw these huge holes in Israel's army, 
He knew that the gaps needed to be filled or else his Old Testament people would have been decimated, their inheritance would have been taken away. And he did this by mobilizing his air force, really a space force, according to verse 20, with the stars being mobilized. Soldiers of the most powerful kind who did their job so thoroughly to aid this weak and small army. The people who didn't fight should have been embarrassed that they were so passive and kept themselves out of the fray. And this has happened more often in history that God's people don't engage in the fight. And you think of today, and there's so many battlefronts for the church, battlefronts in our schools, in culture, Hollywood, politics. We continue to think of abortion, as, as Nan reminded us, as well as battles in the courts of our land. All these battles and many, many more that I could talk about, the church is called uh, to wage, including combat right here. We need to fight the enemy by faithfully hearing and bringing God's word week after week. We need to disciple our kids and students in God's Word so that they have the tools to withstand the enemy in their own lives and so that they're able to make a difference in this world. I really fear we underestimate the extent to which the, the enemy is battling us here at Faith Church as a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church. I'm not sure we take that very seriously. I'm not sure we realize how much of our work and ministry is about the battle of light against the darkness as we are together hearing God's word, expressing God's love, equipping God's people. And, and so the church as a whole, our church, experiences challenges. Satan attacks in all sorts of different ways. But practically speaking, what often happens is that many church members leave the battle for a few. Sluggishness, apathy sets in, and so often in churches, a few people have to do everything because so many are not stepping up, because so many seem to fail to hear God's call, or they're closing their ears to it. They don't want to listen to it. And in some churches, it gets even worse than that. Those who don't participate in the work of the church and kingdom sit on the sidelines criticizing those who are giving everything for the name and the concerns of our God. Those who are lazy and unwilling should be ashamed about their sin and the fact that God has to bring in reinforcements because they're not fighting along. In the book of Esther, Mordecai said to his cousin, who became queen and very influential as a result. If you remain silent, relief and deliverance will come from somewhere. But perhaps God put you here for such a time as this. God will always find a way if we are unwilling, but woe to the unfaithful soldiers, woe to the deserters. Only those who participate in the good fight of faith will inherit eternal life. God calls every one of us to be engaged in the battle, 
Though we might be scared sometimes, though we might feel weak, though we might wonder, what possibly can I do? The reality is that we can all participate and be engaged out of the victory of Jesus at Calvary. Because of the cross, we can be assured that the victory is ours. Through his spirit, Christ gives his power and strength to us in our weakness, in whatever situation we find ourselves. Christ is the commander in the Lord's military. Above even the stars, he created them. And he will lead all his people all the way to the last battle and to glory. God will keep us safe in the battles as he aligns all things for our good and for his glory. And then one day, the whole universe will witness that the last enemies have disappeared and will have a victory feast in heaven, the supper of the Lamb that was slain. How can this help us as we come to the Lord's table? A number of these final takeaways I said, but but I just want to be clear with them. One, God will always win the victory. Even if the church is small and weak, and even if the odds seem never to be in our favor in this wide world. But the reality is the whole universe is working for Him. And that means the whole universe is working for you too. It really is. If you belong to Jesus, if you cast your lot with God's people and follow Jesus and find your salvation and your refuge and your hope in the cross and sacrifice of the Son of God. And I invite you to do that today. Then, from a divine perspective, the odds are ever and always in your favor. The stars will always align for you. Second, we're called to examine ourselves based on this passage. Are we engaged in the battle? We should be ashamed if we're a reason for a weak spot in God's army. And so each one of us, we need to search our own hearts and lives and ask, am I involved, active, both in fighting the battle in my heart against sin, or have I let certain fronts of the battle go in my own life? Um, and, and, and am I involved, active in 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 the army that is Faith Christian Reformed Church? Where am I perhaps being laid back about the fact that God calls every soldier to be engaged in battle? And finally, a third thought, thinking maybe a little bit more broadly, as Christians as a whole, are we engaged in all the many fronts of the war? Are we equipping parents, families for service, in God's army as a church? Are we out there living lives of service? Are the last, the least, and the lost on our hearts? So as we think about those questions, as we examine ourselves, we renew our allegiance to the mighty warrior of Calvary who has won the ultimate battle for us, and we renew our commitment to the fight until the end of time or when God calls us home and we can lay down our swords and enjoy at last fully and perfectly uh, the peace of Christ's kingdom forever. Until then, 
May God keep us constantly renewed and refreshed as we partake of his word, as we put ourselves as often as we can among God's people in worship and Christian fellowship. So we pray that we would not be deserters, but instead that God would strengthen and recharge each one of us for combat, and that he'll do that even in a special way in the supper this morning. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we pray that you would uh, forgive your church, your people, for sometimes being sluggish, uh, slow to go to battle, and for sometimes uh, uh, failing to be engaged in, in your war against sin and evil and the devil altogether. Help us, Lord, uh, to take up your word, stand strong in the faith, and to be engaged knowing that we have an almighty warrior leading us, our Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.